remember when I was a bit younger, um, I think it was to do with Australian Ge Geographic. My parents used to get that as a subscription magazine and we got this huge map of Australia. And so you could sort of, on the map, you could see how far things were from each other and you had to work out using the scale how far it is. And these days, we don't do that too often. We, we pull out our phones, we go, oh, that doesn't look too far. And we, we kind of find out and that tells us even how long it's going to take and, and it will actually give us what it thinks are the, is the best route for us to take. And uh, last year, um, when we were travelling, um, I, I looked at the map the day before we were to leave Jindabyne. And so Jindabyne is up very close in the snowy mountains and uh, it was very cold there. And, and so as I looked at the map, Google Maps said, okay, the quickest way to go to your next location is to follow the snow mountain highway. And I went, it's got the word highway in it. Sounds, that sounds good. Like that's the quickest way. And so the next day we packed up, caravan on board and, and we'd driven up to the snow the day before just a four-wheel drive, no caravan. It was snowing either side. We took it easy, um, and and like we, we we felt confident. And so, but on the next day, we've got the caravan behind us. And as we start to go up this mountain, um, I start to notice there is snow on the side of the road, and I'm going, okay. And then it starts to actually snow while we're going. And and the thing is, it is a highway, but it's not a very wide highway. And then you pass, when you go through the snow, they've got these little pull-in bays where if your car is not a four-wheel drive, you need to put chains on. And so they've got these pull-in bays, which is pretty much for a single car, not a car and caravan, to pull in and put chains on, on your car. I don't need to put chains on, but here I am going, what, what's going to happen if we need to turn around? What happens if we can't go any further? Because I'm going... It's a road and there's snow and, and the road's sort of a little bit past the road. It just goes down into these little valleys and the snow I'm going. And so even though it was beautiful scenery, it was majestic to be able to drive through this. In my head, I'm going, Google Maps, have you led me astray? Maybe it would have been better to go a, a longer way that would have been more quicker. But in the end, it was worth the trip through. Um, amazing views um, um, and, and like it was, it was a breathtaking drive. Um, but, and I'd do it again now, but early on in that drive, I'm going, is this the best place for us to be? And sometimes we in life and sometimes even in the things that we do, we do want to take the scenic route. We, we're driving somewhere, we go, do you know what? How about we take the tourist road or the scenic route? Let's, let's drive along the coast road and it's not going to be the quickest way, but we want to take in the scenery. Sometimes we do that on purpose. And even in life and I suppose some of the things that we go through, we go, do you know what? I'm, I'm not going to be working heaps of hours at the, over the next few years. I want to take time to spend with my family. I want to take time to look after my health. I want, I'm just going to take the scenic route in life. But at sometimes when we talk about taking the long way round, it's not actually a good thing. Um, anyone ever been in their car when their dad's going, I'm just taking a shortcut that doesn't turn to out to be a shortcut? <laughs> Caleb Rose. The thing is, sometimes you go, yeah, I know the way, I know the way to get there and, and like, and it doesn't turn out that way and all of a sudden you can add minutes, tens of minutes, hours onto a trip because you didn't take that right turn. 
you ended up somewhere you weren't meant to be or, or you've got to turn around and go all the way back along a certain road. That, that can happen. And, and so you never say the word lost, just not where, where we're meant to be. That's, that's what we say. Like we're not, I'm, not, I'm not lost, I'm just not where I'm meant to be. So sometimes we do that. Even kids, like, and, and so those with, with parents, bedtime. Okay, guys, go brush your teeth, go to bed. They seem to take the long way around. They'll do a lap of the house and grab one thing. And then, oh, then they do a lap of the house and go to the bathroom. Then they remember something and they do another lap of the house. And then, okay, that's right, I've still got to brush my teeth. Another lap of the house, got to get a drink. Oh, I've forgotten a book. and got to... Now, some of your older people may do that because you've forgotten what you're meant to be doing. You're doing a lap of the house to try and remember where you're meant to be. I'm going to bed. So what else did I, where's my bed? No, okay. So, um, but the thing is, sometimes with kids, they take the long way around to actually achieve the goal. Um, what about this phrase? Just got to duck into the shops. Okay. All of a sudden... And again, it could be both people. Like it, it could be husbands going to Bunnings, just got to duck into Bunnings. And all of a sudden, hours later, kids are overheating in the car because um, one either couldn't find what you wanted or you found other stuff you wanted to look at instead. And so there's, there's a lot of times we can get to a, a place where all of a sudden the goal of a journey was meant to be quick and it doesn't happen that way. And today I, I, I wanna, I'm looking at the book of Deuteronomy. I just want to give you a bit of context um, to begin with because the book of Deuteronomy is basically a really long sermon by Moses. And fortunately, I'm only looking at the first three verses today. I, I could sit here and read all the, the whole 30 or so chapters today and, and that's Moses' sermon to the people. So um, thank God that we're not the people of Israel right at this point in time because we would have been, you'd have to get comfortable. Um, but it was a sermon done by Moses at a ver- for a very specific reason at a very specific time. The people of Israel had just completed their 40 years in the wilderness. And so Moses had gathered them together. This was the new generation of people that was going to go into the promised land to take the promised land. They were going to be led by Joshua. And here are basically Moses' last words to the people. And so he gathers them together. He does a few different things. He, he reminds them of the journey so far. So you've come up out of Egypt. This has happened and this has happened and God has done this and this has happened and then you guys did this and then, then this happened and this happened. And, and so Moses wants them to be, have this clear memory of, of the journey that God has taken on and because it does a couple of things. It reminds them about the journey so far. It reminds them about the God that they are following. Um, and Moses wanted them to be clear about that this is the God that you are following. And, and, and it also goes, and, and it also wanted to remind them of the way that God wanted them to go. And that's both not only direction, but how they were meant to live. And so, um, so yeah, book of Deuteronomy has a lot of, of things in it like that. But I just want to look at the first three verses of, um, well, uh, verses two and three, really, of, of the the book of Deuteronomy um, uh, this morning. And, and I, I suppose when we look at it, for the Israelites, there was an unnecessary long journey. Now, I want to, I want to sort of just, sometimes in life, in our walk with God, there are necessary long journeys. And so that, there are times that God needs to grow us 
through a, a trial, a challenge to see our faith expand and they are necessary. And at the time, you may not be able to work out. Sometimes you feel like you're in one of those trials and you go, God, have I done something wrong? Have I walked or shouldn't have I done this? And, and, and you know what? There are times when, I, when you read the Bible, I can see myself in people's places. and I'm going, if I was that, at that point in the story, what would the questions I'd be asking be like? Like, and you see people like Elijah when he had great victory and then he felt like lost, like almost within days of each other. And, and, and so he had a journey that he needed to go on to correct his vision, to, to correct his understanding of God and, and to know that he wasn't alone. And so that was a necessary long journey. We see Jesus went out in the wilderness for, for 40 days. It was a necessary long journey. And so I, I do want to acknowledge right at the beginning, there are necessary long journeys, but I'm not going to be talking about them today. I want to talk about the unnecessary long journeys that prevent us from being where God wants us to be. Um, in Deuteronomy verses, um, uh, chapter 1, verse 2, um, it says this. It says, normally it takes only 11 days to travel from Mount Sinai to Kadesh Barnea, going by the way of Mount Seir. So how many days was that? 11 days. Okay, and then we go to verse 3. But 40 years after the Israelites left Egypt on the first day of the 11th month, Moses addressed the people of Israel, telling them everything the Lord had commanded him to say. So how many days is it now? Lots. Anyone sort of, so we've got 11, so that plus one, versus 14,600 plus change. 11 days versus 14, let's say just 15,000 days. 11 days versus 15,000 days. God's plan for the people of Israel was to travel from, from Mount Sinai to the land of promise in 11 days. That was God's plan for them. Not even two weeks. For some of you that sort of work, like maybe you have a long work week and then a short work week, it might be a long work week and they would have been there. They would have been camped on the, on the boundaries of, 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 of the, um, the, the Canaan and, and, and sort of been ready to, to take the land. But because of their rebelliousness, 11 days turned into 15,000 days. 15,000 days. And, and I suppose when I talk about unnecessary journeys, and I, I can speak from my own experience, there are times that God gave me opportunities to grow through things that I refuse that opportunity. So God may I wanted to test my faith here or, or wanted me to take an opportunity before me. And I went, no, God, I'm not going that way right now. Maybe later. I even remember that even in me coming to faith, I basically went, well, God, when I become a Christian, that, that's when life gets boring. So I want to live life and then I'll follow you because I know that's the right thing to do. I just don't want to do it just yet. And so I thought once I was in my 20s, life would be over. So that's when I'd become a Christian because I was a, a child then. I'm going, 20s old. I know a lot different now. Like, um, but, but the thing is, there are times that God was really clear saying, this is the journey I have for you. And I went, God, 
how about plan B or C or D and I would choose another one or, or something else would prevent me from following the way that God wanted me to do and all of a sudden the 11 days or whatever period of time that God wanted me to, to walk into that promise or that blessing he had for me became days and months and years. And, and maybe that happens for you. Maybe your, your, your intention is there saying, God, I'm going to get right with you. I'm going to do this. God, I'm going to change my life. My life is going to become about you, but just not yet. Or oh, God, I think I found a better way to get there than the way that you've got. And so I, I want to talk about that today because why do we end up choosing the long way around when it comes to following God? Why do we choose a way that maybe we think is better and, but are not trusting God in the way that he has for us? Why, why, do we, why do we sort of refuse the good things of God in his timing, in his way to pursue it in our way? So I've, I've got a few reasons I want to look at today. I think firstly, we're actually trying to choose a different destination. We, we sort of think to get to where we need to get to, we're going we're gonna to choose a different destination. And so as Moses talks to the people of Israel, he reminds them about this. He reminds them of a time when, when they chose a different destination. And we actually see this back in the book of Numbers and, and as it's actually happening. And, and so what's happened is they've got to the promised land the first time. They are on its boundaries and they send two spies from each, um, uh, they sent a spy from each tribe into the, the promised land to spy it out, to, to check out the land and to, to evaluate it. And, and they come back and all of them rave about how good the land is. But 10 of the spies stand up and say, but giants, big cities, big armies, we can never take it. Caleb, Joshua, two guys who actually stand and say, no, let's, let's go up and take the land now. But in that moment, the people rebel against God's plan for them. In that moment, they basically say, this can't be done. God said 11 days. We said it can't be even possibly done. And so they reject it. And, and they actually said, let's go back to where? Egypt. So they'd come out of Egypt. What were they in Egypt? Slaves. Now, does that make any sense to you that they went, do you know what? God has brought us out of Egypt without even conquering the, well, technically God has conquered the people of Israel, uh, people of Egypt, and he's brought us out of the land. He's actually made us a wealthy nation and brought us to the promised land. And we're right on the verge of that. And they went, do you know what? Instead of facing God's plan, we are choosing to go back and be a slave. That was their choice. That's what they, it would have been better of us to go back to Egypt. They said, they said, let us choose another leader to lead us back there. Now, we wouldn't, enter, we wouldn't make a choice to enter into slavery, would we? But we are so enslaved in our lives by so many different things. I was thinking about it this morning. There are some people in life who have a better relationship with their phone than they do with anyone else, especially Jesus Christ. They have a more intimate knowledge of their phone than actually walking with Jesus. They can Google Jesus, but they don't know Jesus. They can, they can sort of look up the Bible, 
but probably don't as much as they should. And, and that, that's, just, that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's so many other things that we can get enslaved to because we are choosing a different destination. But on top of that, what happens, we see further on in the next chapter of, of Numbers after this happened, uh, we see in, in chapter 14, verses 2 and 3. Um, oh, well, this is, that, this, is, this is where it's found. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land just to have us die in battle? So their faith have gone completely. Our wives and children will be taken as prisoners of war. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said, let us choose a leader to go back to Egypt. So they, they made a choice for a different destination than God had for them. And, and we do that. We make a choice of a different destination. Because there are going to be times that God will say in your life, that job that earns XX amount of dollars is not the job that God wants you to work. He wants you to work a job that only pays you X, but that's where God wants you to be. And you go, but I can't choose that job because this God won't have the provision for me. And you go, well, so I'm going to choose this instead of that. And we end up not being where God wants us to be. It can come down to relationships. I've seen um, people over many years that will choose someone to, to be with, to live with, to, to marry even, who is not who God wants for them. And, and, and we talk about being equally yoked and having people that will go walk with me and, and grow with me in the journey I have with God. We can have um, people that will choose they will choose things and therefore invest in those things which will drag them away from the things that God wants for them. And so one of the things that, that makes us take the long journey is because we choose a different de destination. The other way I could say it was we choose the wrong destination. But the other thing, the next thing that we also do is that we trust in our own directions. Um, and so... I, I, who remembers the old Refidex that used to sit under the front of your seat? And, and, and the great thing about Refidex, they, they were good. You had to update them. And, and in my family, what happened as soon as we got a car, the Refidex became the next birthday present or Christmas present so that we would be able to drive around those places that we need to go to. But, but the problem was is that you, you have to stop and, and read the Refidex. Um, you, it's not as easy to, to read them while you're driving because sometimes you've even got to turn the page and get to the, the next street. And so ideally with, with the Refidex, you need someone there looking at the Refidex while you're driving. Um, and because I, I remember driving through Brisbane years ago with my Refidex and you would, I'd find that I had to pull over like every 20 minutes and go, have I, have I taken the right route till now? And until I knew where I was going in certain places, then sometimes I go, no, nah, I missed that turn. I've got to turn back around. And, and, and whereas these days, we've got the old, old faithful Google Maps. Um, and, and, and so you type in your destination. The problem is Google needs a signal. And there are places you can go in Australia, even some of them not far from Rockhampton, all of a sudden your signal's gone. And so all of a sudden Google Maps will go, I'm lost too. Like, um, and so, and all of a sudden you are following directions of your own and that, that does apply to life. We, we can get to play times in our life when we go, do you know what? I want to get to there, which I think God wants me to get to, but I'm going to choose the pathway. Um, I'm going to choose the way I get there. And, and so all of a sudden we, we take a path that maybe initially looks like you're, you're walking towards that and then all of a sudden there's this big U-turn. Has anyone ever been on a, a bushwalk where 
the, the path starts in the right direction and then it goes around the corner and then it goes away from the direction you need to get to and you think it's going to be like every step you're walking away from going, I've got to walk back again to get towards it and on the way back, we've got to do this exactly again. I've, I've done walks like that where you go, do you know what? I'm not going in the right direction at the moment. To get back is going to be harder. I've got to, and, and you start, do I keep going this way? Do I keep going this way? Sometimes we, we live life like that. We, we pursue something so long going, oh, if I just keep doing it this way, I'll eventually get to where I need to get to. And so many times we just end up more lost. We end up and, and, and we need to stop, open our Repodex, open God's word, pray and go, God, where are you leading me? Where are you wanting me to go? Where do I need to get back on track? In Numbers 14, so later on after the, the earlier verses um, in 41 and 42, um, what ended up happening is that God actually stepped in and sort of said, okay, you don't want to go into the promised land? Well, I actually now forbid you from going to the promised land. You are not going to take it. You're going to walk around the wilderness for 40 years and your children will take the land. So here they were. They were afraid to go into the promised land with God's help. As soon as God said, you can't do it, they became brave. Or what's that other word? Stupid is the word that they became. All of a sudden, they got to a point they said, oh, we, we can't do it with God. But as soon as God says, no, I think we can do it. And so in verses 41 and 42, Moses said, but Moses asked, why are you disobeying the Lord's command? Your plan won't work. Don't go. You will be defeated by your enemies because the Lord is not with you. But they chose to follow their own directions. They went up and laid battle against the, uh, the people of, of Canaan and they, fa- they faced a, a mighty defeat. They could have gone in the day before with God's help, but they rejected that. They chose their own destination and, they, and then they chose to follow their own directions and it failed them. And, and that applies for us as well. If we are not closely following the steps that God has for us, we won't get to where God wants us to be. So yet we choose the wrong direction. We, we, we choose the wrong destination. We, we choose the wrong directions. But also there are roadblocks in our path. Um, I've, it's happened to me. I've driven along roads and all of a sudden the road that was there was flooded. And as they say, don't flooded, forget it. Don't, don't drive through it. Um, there's been times I've driven two hours one direction and to find the road flooded going, that means I've got to drive back two hours and I can't get through there. And when we are walking with God, there are things that will prevent us from getting from walking the path that God wants us. I, I remember many years ago, so I would have been oh, maybe maybe even before I was 20, I went um, on a kids club camp at Coochie Mudlow Island. So Coochie Mudlow is just off the coast of Brisbane. You can drive a car on and you can, um, it can go across the island or you can just walk onto the ferry and, and, and go over the island. And, and the, the island's not very big. Um, the Wesleyan Church has got a church there and a house there. So we spent a number of um, uh, different occasions there. But I was about yeah, 18, 19 and I went over on this kids club and the kids club director, she got a migraine. And so I went, we didn't have a lot of kids. We had about six, seven kids and went, do you know what I'll do? I'll take them for a walk out of the house. We've got an island. 
what better adventure than to say you've walked around an island? Great idea. It was a great idea. And so the kids were excited. I was excited. And we started walking around the island and everything was cruisy. And we walked around the island really quick and that was it. No, that, that's not how the story ended. Um, I wish it did because it got to a point where it was no longer sand. It was more muds and mangroves. And, and, and when there wasn't, there was, there was a clear path you could follow, but it was mud. And so every time you put your foot in, you then had to get your balance as you and pulled your foot out and kept walking. And that would have been okay. We pressed on. We did press on because the thing was we'd come so far. I didn't want to fail. And I didn't worry about the kids anymore. It was about my achievement and getting around the island. But it got to the point where one of the girls, and she was a delightful girl, she put her foot in with a thong on. And as it went, all of a sudden she put her foot back down and there was no thong attached to her foot. The thong had stayed in the hole and that was just the end for her. She broke down crying and here we are, this group of primary school kids and me like almost stuck in the mud. I know it's a fun game other times, but right then it wasn't so much fun. And so I just said, okay, guys, wait here. Let me just walk up around the corner. And I walked up around the corner and all I could see was hundreds of metres of mud. And I went... This is not going to work. And so basically we had to, it was a roadblock for us to get around the island. So we just had to turn and go, okay, we're just going to cut through the island, go on the bitumen road. We're going to go to the sand. We're going to wash off our feet and we're going to try and forget about this traumatic experience that I just put these um, kids through. But when it comes to us following God, there, there are these roadblocks that sort of slow us, stop us, make us take a different direction. And some of these roadblocks we can do something about. Like we can have a roadblock of, of no spiritual hunger or spiritual apathy. I, I, I think for us, sometimes we feel like I'm a Christian, I've made it and, and that's kind of the pinnacle. And then because of that, it gets a bit dull. It gets a bit boring because we've actually think we've, we've made the top. We haven't actually looked up and sort of saying, oh, we've got a long way to go. God still wants to do more in my life. God still wants to do more through my life. And so all of a sudden we, we sit. And, and the thing is, have you, if you've ever climbed a mountain, if you stop halfway up, your view's not very good because the mountain and the forest is in the way. You actually need to get to a spot where there is a bit of a lookout where you can, you can actually take in the view. And I think when we get spiritual apathy, it's like stopping in a place that you're not meant to stop. You stop and you go, oh, this is, there's not much to it here. And, and what I've come to in my life as a Christian, as someone who is walking with God, you are either moving forward or you are slipping backwards or moving backwards. It is very hard to just hold your ground as a Christian. And, and as soon as you go into that mode in your head, and you go, I'm just going to stay here for a bit. I've got, I've got enough knowledge of God. I've, my relationship with God is good enough. I've done enough good things for God. I've done enough good things in my life. I've given enough money. I've done enough um, of helping the needy. I've been to church enough. I'm just going to stop right here. And you just begin to slide down and keep going backwards. Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are they... Who, which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. 
And so the Beatitudes there talk about us hungering and thirsting after the things of God and, and right living. So spiritual hunger can be a roadblock. Spiritual baggage can be a roadblock. Why do you suppose that the Israelites who left Egypt ended up in the wilderness for 40 years? They were dragging their sin with them. The more weight you drag behind, the less likely it is you will reach your destination. Like those, those trips, those, anyone ever done like a, a day's long sort of bushwalk where you're carrying all your camping gear on your back? The, 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 the only good thing about it is that it gets lighter as you get less food, but then as you get less food, you go, am I going to have enough to survive this? Am I going to be starting hunting like koala bears um, or something like that? But, but the thing is, it's, it's a weight that you carry. And, and, and we, you don't want to be doing that with things that are unnecessary. And the spiritual baggage that we have, the sin that we get caught up in our life, it doesn't need to be there. We've, we've just passed Easter and Easter was this time that says, I'm going to take all the weight of sin off you and put it on Jesus Christ so you never have to walk in it again. And some of us go, do you know what? I'm going to choose it still. I'm going to choose this sloppy, disgusting bricks of sin and put them back on my shoulder and I'm going to walk with them again and go, oh, life is wearing me out. And, and people go, um, but you've, you've just got something a little bit on your shoulder. And, oh, yeah, I, I, I've chosen this. Because that's effectively what we've done. If we know Jesus and we still choose to live in sin, we are making that choice to carry that baggage. And that prevents us from maturing. It's actually one of those things that will keep us in spiritual apathy because we choose to live in our sin. We can, another roadblock can be faith, faith versus fear. Because sometimes when, when God calls us into something new, like the Israelites, they saw the giants and, and most of them responded with fear. Again, Caleb responded with this verse. This is a paraphrase. Caleb said, as they talked about all the giants and all the cities, Caleb's response, let's go do it now. Like there wasn't like, yeah, he wasn't like, oh, we've got to prepare for this. No, let's go do it now. God is with us. Let's go do it now. And so we need to let our faith overcome our fear so that we can keep following God and keep being where he wants us to be. Sometimes it comes to our travel companions or lack thereof. Now, when I, I say lack thereof, sometimes the reason that we don't walk with Jesus is that Jesus is not there with us. And when I say Jesus is not there with us, it's not Jesus's fault. We've walked away from him. And so we're looking for guidance from Jesus and we, we're, not, we're not actually even looking in the right place for him. We're, we're kind of in, in a mess of our own making. We say, Jesus, come in and just sort this out, fix it up and I'll follow you. And Jesus is going, well, no, you need to walk out of this, this direction. This is where I am. You need to come to where I am and we'll walk together from there. But we, we don't want, we, we want God to kind of fix up our problem so we can continue to go in the direction we want. And again, Jesus says, if you want to walk with me, I will be your companion. I will walk with you. I will show you the right way, but you do have to go the way that I'm wanting you to go so that you can achieve the things that I want you to achieve. Sometimes we are surrounded by ourselves by people that um, maybe 
pushing us away from God or encouraging us to walk away from God. Maybe we're filling our minds with things that, um, like, and maybe it's the things that we fill our minds with that it becomes our companion going, these are the things that I need to do in life rather than seeking God out. Maybe it's because we have a lack of, uh, of, of Christians around us who are on fire for God saying, I want to run with them. Because again, the Australian position is that when someone stands up and is, is, is actually really great at something, we, it makes us feel uncomfortable. And so we want to pull them back down to our level so that we can all be comfortable at being mediocre. And sometimes we have people that are passionate about their love for God and their journey with God and their desire to see people saved. And we want to go, hey, ease up, okay? You're making the rest of us look really, really bad. Stop, okay, you can lead people to Christ. Just do it once every 15 years like the rest of us. Just, just slow down on things like that. Yes, you can invite people to church. Don't do it every week though. And don't ask them to commit to our church because, again, you've got to make us look bad. I know you like reading your Bible. I know you like living for God. But just bring it down a few notches so we can all relate together. I wish it was the other way in our country. I wish when people were on fire for God that we would actually raise people up all around them. And all of a sudden, it's not just a singular pocket of people or a singular person. It is groups of people. Because you know what they call that? They call that revival. When, when people actually walk with God in such a way and others are drawn to that and it just multiplies out. Oh, I wish that would happen in our country again. I wish people would be willing to say, I'm wanting to be on the path that God has for me and I want to walk with others in that same mindset. Now in all this stuff, like I'm talking about the Israelites, they spent 15,000 days getting to where God wanted to take them in 11 days and I know that sounds a little bit depressing and maybe some of you thinking yeah I can relate to that there are times I wish I would have followed God here in my 20s and now I'm in my 40s or 50s and I wish I'd done that then I wish I tried to be to to see the fruit of the spirit in my life now rather than 15 years down the track I, I wish I wish I'd, I'd made that choice and stuck to it Many years ago, this is the encouraging thing. God is willing to correct our course. Like the, the book of Deuteronomy is basically God saying to the people of Israel, I am correcting your course now. And that's why Moses spent that time preaching to the people of Israel. I, I said, I want you to get back on track. It's like when, um, and, and for those who, who drive and they take... Um, Google or Siri as, as suggested comments. And so you're driving along and, and Siri says to take the next right. And you go, oh no, the right after that will be better. And as you pass where, where, where Google or Siri tells you to turn, the next, it actually goes correcting, um, it corrects the, the, the map for you so you can still get to where you're going. God does that for us. Now, sometimes that correction will include a U-turn. It will say you need to turn around and go back the way you were going because like right now you want to get to Sydney but you're going to Townsville. You need to do a U-turn. 
So that, that may be a correction. It might be a slight correction because you might be sort of traveling with God like this and going out a little bit, a little bit, and God's saying, no, let's just turn left at the next left and come back to me and walk with me. Because when God corrects our course, all of a sudden, he's able to do the things that he wants to do uh, in our lives. And Jeremiah 31.9 uh, 31, says, With weeping they will come, and by supplication I will lead them. I will make them walk by streams of water on a straight path in which they will not stumble, for I am a father to Israel. We actually hear that term a few different times about um, God making our paths straight. Now, what he's talking about, even he talks about rising up valleys and bringing down mountains. Again, God is attempting to make our journey with him as, as easy to follow as possible. I'm not saying there won't be like hard things in that, but God says, on this path, if you stay on this path with me, you, you won't get lost. And so God is wanting to correct our pathway. And, 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 and even in Proverbs, it talks about we're acknowledging God and he'll make our path straight. And so this is where it comes to where we need to be loving God more. We need to be stepping into that. And, 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 and as we walk with God, all of a sudden he corrects our course. And, and again, we need to be willing for God to overcome those things that stop it. So we, we, we've got to say, God, I'm going to let you choose the destination. I'm going to let you choose the directions. Now, for some people straight away, that becomes really difficult because they want to be in control of that. For some of us, it's the roadblocks. It's the apathy in our lives. We kind of go... Yeah, I know I should and I will get around to it. And all of a sudden, 10 years has passed and we haven't grown any closer with God. We haven't matured anymore in Christ. That's why I've seen in some people, some people who have been Christian for 40 years and some people who have been Christian for two and the one who have been Christian for two are more mature in their faith because they've used every one of those days to grow with God. And the ones who are 40 basically have shown up week after week and going, I've made it already. And they are sitting on a park bench halfway up a mountain, having none of the view of what God wants to show them. We need to be willing to let God correct our course. So all of a sudden, we do not have to take the long route to get to where God wants us to be. And I pray today as, as we press into the rest of this year, has God been niggling you in some area of your life? Like God, has God been sort of poking at that point saying, in that area of your life, and it's going to be different to each one of you. Some of it might be faith. Some of it might be stuff that you're holding on to. Some of, it, some of us, it, it could be sin. And God's sort of circling that area in your life. And even right now, you're still like internally saying, God, stop pointing to that area in my life. Don't bring it up right now. I, I don't want to be responding to this. I don't want Pastor Keith to think there's a problem in my life. You know what? God's doing the same for me. God, God shows me, when I, let, when, I, when I get serious about this stuff and saying, God, show me the path you want me to walk, he will shine a light on it. Sometimes it's a spotlight so he can get all the areas at once. Um, but then what, what do you do with that? Do you sort of say, God, thanks for showing me. I'm going to put it in my notebook. I'll get to it. It's on my to-do list. Or do we get real with that? Are you going to get to the end of this year? So we've got about... What, eight months left, something like that. 
At the end of this year, are you going to look back at this moment and go, yeah, God brought that to my attention or this to my attention? Or again, if you're like me, you've got like a, a bundle of things that God brings to your attention. Are you going to get to the end of the year and going, I still haven't addressed any of that? Because if you haven't addressed any of that, I can guarantee that the path that you will be walking is longer than the path that God wants you to take. Or maybe it's just one by one. You pull one of those items out. And let's, God, let's you and me work with this. If it's sin, confess it. Repent of it. Walk away from it. If it's faith, take a step out into that unknown and say, God, I will step out into that. If it's giving up control of where you're going, put that into God's hands. Let's, let him sort of show you the way that he wants to take you. But don't continue on a journey that's going to add 15,000 days to what God wants to do in your life in a few. I think that's a waste of the life that God wants to give us. And I do not want to be at the end of my life saying, I wish I'd let God do more in my life if I just stayed with him. And I already know I've wasted days. The days ahead though, they can be days that God uses. Lord, I thank you that one, that you do correct our course. You do bring us back to you if we are willing to walk with you. And I do want to thank you for your gracious guidance in doing that. I thank you do, that you do light our path for us. But in saying that, Lord, I do want to pray against having days that are wasted, walking in obedience with you, having days where they are not growing days or maturing days, days that we spend walking in waste. And so Lord, I pray for everyone here that as they consider their walk with you, as they consider the, the path that they are on right now, is it the path that is leading them quickest to the destination that you have for them? Please don't let them sit and sort of wait for you to do something again. Please help them be active. Help them to remove the blockages that are in their lives that stop them from following you. Help them give up control and let you guide them to you to be, to be um, the refidex for their life that will get them quickest to their destination, to the blessing that you have for them and to continue their journey with you. And so, Lord, I thank you for your grace. I pray for your calling for each one of us to walk in faithful obedience. Show us clearly by your light the path that you want us to take. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. 